This is The Guardian. Today, with more than 100 cases in at least 19 countries, we hear from our science editor, Ian Sample, on what we know about monkeypox. The person was already sick when they boarded the plane from Nigeria to the UK in the first week of May. First, it was a rash. Then, a scattering of fluid-filled blisters. The same day that that flight got in, that person went to hospital and they were very quickly identified as a potential monkeypox case. Passengers who had travelled in the seats around the patient were traced. Meanwhile, the patient was transferred to the Infectious Disease Unit at a London hospital. And so that patient was isolated and a doctor in sort of full PPE uh, took a swab of one of their ulcers and sent that off. The sample was sent to Porton Down in Wiltshire, home to the UK's rare and imported pathogens laboratory. And that lab turned the test around very quickly, got the result on the 6th of May, and the announcement was made the next day. It was official. The UK's monkeypox outbreak had begun. Since then, more than 50 cases, none of them proving to be fatal, have been confirmed around the country. So far, the consequences don't seem to be uh, very serious, but it, we, it's important that we keep an eye on it, and uh, that's exactly what the, uh, the new UK uh, Health Security Agency is doing. And there have been outbreaks across Europe and North America. President Biden! Mr. President! Mr. President, quick question. What have your health advisors told you your level of concern should be about monkeypox and the cases that are in the United States and around the world? Well, they haven't told me the level of exposure yet, but it is something that everybody should be concerned about. Many more cases are expected in the coming days as test and trace systems kick into gear. Once again, tracking the progress of an infectious disease. From The Guardian, I'm Noshin Iqbal. Today in Focus... How worried should we be about monkeypox? In sample, for much of the past two years, you've been buried in the detail of COVID-19 research. But now there's a new threat. There's monkeypox. Now, my first thought when I saw the news was, give over, I do not have the brain space for this. But in as a Guardian science editor and host of our Science Weekly podcast, what was your first thought? I have to say it wasn't fear. I think it was more interesting um, because we have been sort of seeing a rise in monkeypox cases in certain parts of the world. Um, you know, people have made a few warnings about monkeypox in the past. Um, to see it then arrive here, but then have this sort of unusual outbreak that we're seeing now, highly unusual, unprecedented outbreak going on now with multiple countries involved. I mean, it is does make you think, come off it, what's going on with 
diseases at the moment. But equally, you know, this isn't this isn't COVID. This isn't um, a virus that spreads like that. So I, I wasn't thinking, blimey, we're going to go through into another sort of, you know, period of time like we've been through in the last two or three years. Whew. So what does uh, monkeypox look like when it shows up in patients? And what are the symptoms? So quite often patients will develop a sort of fever and sort of aches and pains within five days, say, of, of exposure. But that's the initial phase of it, if you like. But then you'll start getting these little sort of spots like ulcers or blisters. Um, they often start around the mouth, but then they sort of move around the body. They can go to your your hands, your feet. Um, they go to the genital area. And those spots themselves, those ulcers themselves, have a sort of a course through this disease. So over the next few weeks, those uh, sort of spots and ulcers will basically change shape and they will eventually scab over and then eventually the scabs will fall off and there'll be sort of fresh newly formed skin underneath and you're sort of infectious for that entire period until you've you've lost your the pox scabs mm. um and and but people don't always have the the fever and so on some of these patients that we're seeing that the doctors are seeing now um aren't having that fever beforehand which is making it quite tricky for some of the diagnoses to be done fever or not it it does sound deeply, deeply unpleasant. And I wonder, I guess most people will be asking the same question. How physically health-wise serious is it if you get it? Can it be fatal? It can be fatal, but we have to sort of walk through some of this. I mean, there's two, they call them clades, there's two types of monkeypox virus, which are endemic really in, in animals, in parts of Africa, largely, you know, Western or Central Africa. Now, the nasty one, if you like, is known as the sort of Central African or the, the Congo Basin clade. And that one in rural Africa, for example, the, the case fatality rate is about 10, 11%. Now, that's not the one that is fueling this current outbreak. All the tests that have been made public so far that I've seen are finding that this is what's called the West African version of this, of this virus. And the case fatality rate for that is about 1%, but even that figure is not based on, you know, a big outbreak in, in the Western Hemisphere. We haven't seen a massive outbreak of this disease um, really outside of Africa to, to actually know what case fatality rates will be when it meets a very modern, very sort of equipped health service. So as you've explained, there are two main strains of this disease. Do we know conclusively where it first emerged and why is it called monkeypox? Yeah, so let's get the, the name out of the way first of all. Because um, people think monkeypox is something that you, you know, funnily enough, would find in, in wild monkeys. Um, well, quite. <laughs> it, it was first spotted in research macaques. So these weren't wild animals. These were research macaques that were presumably infected by other animals. Um, and th those monkeys were, were found to have this in 1958. Now, the actual animals that are believed to be the sort of natural reservoir for this virus in, in Africa are probably more likely rodents. Um, right. so the first human case was, was in 1970 in, in, in um, DRC. So we've known about cases in humans for, you know, 
more than half a century, but you know, the majority of those cases um, have really come from, until quite recently at least, um, contact with animals. So what has the story of monkeypox been since that first human case you mentioned in the Democratic Republic of Congo? So it has largely been a disease of Western and Central Africa. And typically what will happen there is the human cases, the, the people who, who pick up the virus, of, often get that from being in contact with animals. Now, what we've seen sort of increasingly in the last sort of 10 years or so is more outbreaks among people um, in those countries. Um, we've had a lot of cases in DRC, thousands. Nigeria is having the, the largest outbreak in West Africa since 2017. But, but really, for the past 50 years, what we've been seeing is outside of Africa, very sporadic exports of this virus. So exactly what we'd seen in the UK until this year, which was you just get one or two cases spreading out to other countries, and then they would it would quickly fizzle out in those other countries because this virus doesn't spread very easily. It's not that easy to catch. So often once it got out into humans, it, it wouldn't really go much further. You mentioned that cases have been rising in Central and West Africa in the last 10 years or so. Do we have any idea why that is? One reason that scientists talk about is that you may be seeing a sort of waning immunity from the era of smallpox vaccines. So the smallpox was eradicated in 1980, and that's pretty much when we saw the end of smallpox vaccination. So smallpox is a related virus, but if you get the vaccine, it gives you a lot of cross-protection against monkeypox. So one idea is that, say, maybe 40 years ago, there wasn't really much chance of monkeypox getting into humans because we had all, you know, a lot of people had had smallpox vaccine and, and, and they were protected. That, that, that protection isn't there anymore. There's this group of people coming through who are getting, you know, into their 20s, 30s, 40s now who don't have protection against smallpox and, and therefore don't have protection against monkeypox. And, and it's interesting because if you look at the, the, the age of cases in Africa, that age is going up. It used to be in very, very young kids. Now that age group has moved up to 10 and then into the 20-year-olds and so on as the most common to get it. And so that might be something that's afoot. But you've also got issues like deforestation, um, climate crisis, you know, all of these things that are putting stresses on ecosystems, which are forcing animals and humans into more contact. You know, animals getting into food storage places because mm. their habitat's been wrecked. All these kinds of things are probably working together. So that's one development in the story of monkeypox. The other that you've hinted at there is that up until now, outside of African countries, what we tended to see were smaller outbreaks, which were very clearly and directly traceable to Central or West Africa. But that isn't what we're seeing now, is it? No, the interesting thing about the outbreak in the UK, but also you know what's going on in other countries, is that many of these aren't linked to travel to Africa or, or you know, anyone who's, who's been there. So what's interesting is when the first case arrived in the UK, that was uh, when the, the person got off the plane and, and was, th that case was announced, sometime after that, a couple more cases were discovered. And at that point, the UK Health Security Agency posted some photos of what the different um, stages of the disease look like in terms of what the rash looks like and what these sort of ulcers look like. 
And at that point, that actually tipped off some doctors in sexual health clinics who had already started seeing um, some people come in who had these kind of symptoms. They were already trying to understand what these guys had um, because they weren't testing positive for herpes. They weren't testing positive for some of these other conditions that you would immediately look for, you know, in, in, a, in a sexual health setting. And basically the doctors were scratching their heads and then on the Saturday morning when these images landed, they were like, that might be what my guy has. And the sexual health clinics then immediately sent swabs of that material to the same lab at Porton Down. They came back positive. And that really put the sort of alert out in sexual health clinics to say, look, go back and review some old cases if you've not known what these people have had. And also keep on the lookout for more coming because it then quickly became clear that the virus was spreading within men who have sex with men. And it's obviously a, a particular sort of community, if you like, or a particular group of people. And so that really seems to be the dominant uh, number of cases we're seeing now around the world. Okay, so it appears that monkeypox was already here and transmitting from person to person, which as you say, is really unusual. Ian, you've also mentioned that monkeypox appears to be transmitting through sexual contact. Now, do we know for sure that it's scientifically significant that it appears to be occurring in men who have had sex with other men? Or in other words, is it possible that this is basically just the first group of people that the disease has come into contact with and that actually it could just as easily have been an entirely different group of people? The way you can pick up monkeypox is by you can you can become infected from actually sort of quite large droplets of respiratory fluid like you know of, of saliva and so on so you, you can be you can be infected by these sort of large droplets if they get into your respiratory system if you inhale them they get into your mouth your eyes your nose what have you but we're not talking about sort of covid levels here um also you can pick it up from uh, sort of direct contact with these infectious um rashes the infectious uh, blisters and so on um, and so that, you know, close contact is how you get this infection. Sex obviously involves close contact. And so it, it's kind of a group that's going to kind of amplify the virus. You're going to see more cases of it there because of, of how, they, how they're interacting. Monkeypox is spread through close contact, but it isn't exclusively a sexually transmitted infection. And it's certainly not just specific to men having sex with other men, be they gay or bi or so on. But the World Health Organization has said that coverage needs to be responsible and that some reporting of the virus has reinforced homophobic stereotypes, increasing stigma. Ian, how important is the communication around monkeypox? It's extremely important that no group is stigmatized for you know being the being the ones that's, that have the the most cases i mean the, the, the worst thing to come out of this at all would be that anybody male female whatever their sexual orientation that anybody you know did not go and get themselves 
checked out for any kind of symptoms they have. There are a lot of things that can look like monkeypox. I mean, chickenpox for a start, but you know, you've got herpes, you've got sexually transmitted infections that are way more common. And you don't want people who have got those to feel, oh, I better not go to the, you know, to the GP or the sexual health clinic because it might be monkeypox. And you have, I think you have to be really careful around that. And we saw, you know, through the 1980s when HIV was emerging and we saw how that was used in a way that essentially really stigmatized um, gay men initially um, and, and actually for a long time. And, you know, that sort of thing is utterly wrong and unhelpful in a situation like this. And related to that, the World Health Organization has also raised concerns about racism in the framing of this story and the portrayal of this as an inherently African problem, as if monkeypox can be blamed on specific countries or ethnicities, rather than understanding how disease works. But Ian, in terms of the public health response to this, what else are the World Health Organization and national health bodies saying and doing? So the the sort of national public health authorities have obviously swung into action, doing their usual um, public health response, which is to do contact tracing, obviously ensuring anyone that's that's confirmed is um, is safe and is being treated if they need it. Many many people won't, um, but they need to be isolating and so on until until the disease has passed. The World Health Organization has been supporting those, has been monitoring it, seeing what's going on now. The World Health Organization has also drawn attention to the fact that, you know, this has been an issue in Western Central Africa for a good while now, and that we really do need to understand more about why is it spreading into humans more? Why is it transmitting between humans more in the DRC and in Nigeria and some other countries? And a lot of this isn't well understood at all. Um, And so we need way more work on that and you know the bigger picture is that some of this is coming down to the fact that we're talking about a part of the world where climate crisis is hitting badly and ecosystems are getting wrecked that is causing problems not only for the people but also for the animals and so there is multiple factors that are involved in this that need need sorting out it needs something long term coming up Has the COVID pandemic made us more resilient to monkeypox? Ian, if someone does have monkeypox symptoms that you've told us about, the open sores, rash, fever, so on, or they think they've been in contact with someone else who does, what do they do? What's the current public health advice? Well, you really need to call your GP or sexual health clinic and ask them how they would like to do it. I mean, there are some clinics that don't want people to walk in if they strongly suspect they've got monkeypox. So ideally, you would sort of let your let the GP or the sexual health clinic know beforehand that you want to get checked out and then they can arrange for you to come in and have a a test for it, have samples taken with someone in PPE uh, who can do all that safely and away from other people. The sexual health clinics are under a lot of pressure already. I mean, they've 
they they're not very well staffed they're very expert at what they're doing but they're not particularly well staffed at the moment and this is a burden on them so some of them have said look just don't walk in talk to us let us know you know if you've got symptoms but i think the key thing is do do make that contact do go and get it checked out um don't just sort of carry on without alerting a gp about it because we really do need to find all the cases and make sure all their contacts are found and close it down and if you do go to your gp or sexual health clinic and confirm that you do have it how is monkeypox treated what medicines would people need often you won't need anything um often you won't need uh treatment at all i mean you tend to be just sort of checked on at home at the moment if you're you know a case or if you're a, a very close contact you'll get daily phone calls to check on on how you're doing um until until it's passed but um most people just don't get very ill at all if you're deemed to be at risk some of those people are being taken into um hospitals and in sort of isolation units where they can be monitored more closely and you know, if, if if you've got at risk people, then you can give them the smallpox vaccine a few days after they've been exposed to, to monkeypox, up to 14 days actually afterwards. And that seems to help, uh, you know, you sort of, if you're going to have bad symptoms, that seems to help uh, reduce those. Um, there are a couple of antivirals around, but the, there isn't really any good data on how well those antivirals work, but they are in the in the cabinet if if, if they're needed. Um, so that is the kind of treatment people are going to be getting if they need it. But say the vast majority uh, of people who who get monkeypox, this this type of monkeypox, this West Africa clade monkeypox, um, are, are going to be fine. They'll, they'll shrug it off sort of without um, any particular treatment. And of course, during COVID, we've all had this crash course in self-isolation, in test and trace systems and mask wearing. Ian, how much do you think that experience is now being brought to bear on this disease? Well, I think certainly the contact tracing and such like will be, has has gone through a pretty rigorous test over the past two years. And public health teams have really, you know, been beefed up over COVID. So public health teams are pretty effective and agile now, I would say. And so this is swinging into action and seeing the UK Health Security Agency swing into action on this is impressive, um, in my view. So I think that, you know, although these are very, very different infections, the experience that COVID gave has certainly focused a lot of minds. It sorted out a lot of problems with some of these systems that are going to be used, it, it, primarily contact tracing. Well, finally, in Given mine and everyone else's very limited capacity now to deal with more disease in the world and, I don't know, the fact that I've only just started going out again, how worried should I be about monkeypox? I think this is an interesting one because the one thing that everyone must have learned from COVID is to be pretty humble in the face of infectious diseases and not to make any assumptions. Now, the difference is that COVID was a new virus. We hadn't come across it before. It didn't exist until 2019. Monkeypox has been known in humans for more than 50 years. It's something we know pretty well. It doesn't spread particularly easily. We know the symptoms. We don't have all the unknowns we had with COVID, um, which were just all over the place with COVID. We didn't know so many things about it. So in one sense, we do have to be really humble and think, okay, 
we can't have too strong opinions about how this is going to play out. But at the same time, it's not something new. I don't think we should sort of run for the hills waving our hands above our heads. I mean, look, I think we need to be alert to this. Know that it's now um, an issue. If you're in a particular sort of risk group, then yeah, keep an eye on it. All noted. Right. Thank you so much, Ian. Thank you. You can catch Ian Sample on Thursday's Science Weekly podcast, where he'll be speaking to Nigerian virologist Oyewale Tamori about what we can learn from Central and Western Africa about monkeypox and how to deal with it. To read more about monkeypox, catch up with our coverage at theguardian.com. And that's it for today. This episode was produced by Joshua Kelly. Sound design is by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producers are Phil Maynard and Elizabeth Cassin. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. <laughs>